having an Inception episode today. If that's alright with you, that is. That's actually really sick. Cool. Inception. Right. So, we've... This is another topic that we've discussed way before we started recording as well. And it's another subject that we really wanted to dive back into and just assess it and um, compare it to what we see in theology. So something that came up greatly last time we talked, Josh, was the uh, essay that you did was in in first year. Yeah, it was. Um, Back when I, I thought I knew everything there was to know about film and film music. And um, baby stage. My my mark told me that I did not know everything there was to know about film music, <laughs> but uh, I definitely learned a lot about Inception. And uh, between reading up on it, uh, like articles and journals and so on, and then watching the film maybe three or four times in the span of a couple of weeks, uh, armed with the fact that I'd already seen it in the past, you know, several times. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it was really fascinating to just look into and um, to take it further than uh, the the kind of surface level approach that most people have when they watch the movie. And so let's do that now quickly for like thirty seconds, Brandon. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, at the end of Inception, <laughs> do you think he's still dreaming? Um, well, this is the thing. It doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, he still gets to see his kids. You beat me to it, man. Um, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. Was... I Genuinely, I was like, I don't know what approach he's taking. Is he wanting me to respond dumb or am I just going to answer what I already know he's going to go towards? Well, you know what? I'm glad that you mentioned that uh, because then it doesn't make me sound like you know, I'm trying to be smart or pseudo-intellectual or whatever. Um, but yeah, Put you in your like, place. Honestly, it is just because it doesn't matter anymore yeah. to him whether he's dreaming yeah. or not. Uh, the, the the whole theme of that film is this idea of regret and loss mm-hmm. and that um, the dreams aren't really dreams. Uh, they're more a representation of the past. And this was yeah. something that uh, I looked at a lot, especially when analysing the score, because um, you know, you know, uh, the the end cue time uh, mm-hmm. is used in everything. Like it's it's yeah. um, it started that whole genre, effectively. Of course, it's been literally. I think it's almost. Well, I can't say anything. You're a technically a film composer now, but when I've talked to anyone about film composition, they say that time is just one of the absolute favorite compositions in film. So Yeah, and for good reason. But um, yeah. the reason why it works so well at the end is because those themes have been seeded the whole way through the film. And every time they're used beforehand, it uses them in fragments. So um, one example is the Old Souls cue, which plays... Um, during one of uh, Cobb's flashbacks to when him and his wife were together in the dreamscape mm-hmm. and it um effectively whenever his wife appears it uses fragments from time uh, a lot of the times it's like the delicate strings or it's maybe some of the pads um 
as well you get that uh you know the boom boom that like drop in yeah. sound mm-hmm. uh, that's used a lot as underscore and um you know the reason that it's used in such a fragmented way and also in a lot darker of a way um like when the strings are used and stuff it sounds really haunting mm. uh, and, and that's because Cobb has all of these memories of his past with his wife uh, spoilers for Inception. Uh, there we go. Got it in just in time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm on the ball this time, Brandon. Yes, you are. Um, yeah. So when when he when present day Cobb remembers his past with his wife, for the majority of the movie, it's overshadowed by the regret of losing his wife and the fact that you know she thought they were still dreaming, so she ended her own life. And that regret haunts him so that he can't even he can't even look back at the happy times anymore and see them as happy times. He sees them mm. with that jaded quality of the guilt that I was the one who put the idea in her mind that this wasn't real. Yeah. And so you get all these fragments that are unresolved and they sound, yeah, like haunted. And yeah. it's only when, uh, this is what I think is so beautiful about the movie is that he's tried and failed to deal with it on his own by locking away those memories in the deepest parts of his subconscious uh, symbolized in the elevator scene yeah but then it takes ariadne which again christopher nolan say what you want about his characters he gives them flipping good names um oh for definite ariadne of course in the myth of theseus and the minotaur being the person who guides Theseus through the labyrinth by giving him the piece of string, a ball of string, so that no matter how twisted he gets inside of this maze, he can find his way back out. And so in the same way, Cobb is going on a very personal emotional journey, but he has Ariadne with him to guide him through that process. She's the only person who he opens up to in the entire film. And it's not because he chooses to, it's because she happens to pick up on it quite early and so investigates into it. And it's that idea that when the two of them uh, band together, she's able to help him move on from his past of regret and to acknowledge it for what it was and to see that the time that, you know, he he had a whole life together with his his wife. Uh, He didn't let her down. They did grow old together. And that's the point where you get that flashback to when they're old in the dream. And that's when time plays and you get all these fragmented themes that come back together at the end of the movie. And that, I think a part of that is why it's so, uh, is why it's so powerful because yes, it's a beautiful piece of music, but it's a piece of music that's been alluded to throughout the whole film. And when you know that that piece of music is coming at the end, it makes it so much more satisfying to follow these themes throughout the film and go, ah, right, that it's like it's trying to play time, but it can't quite yet because Cobb yeah. hasn't let go of the past. So, you know, the, the dream aspect, is it a dream, is it not, can we trust reality? That's the kind of, I would say that's a very surface level analysis. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a good thing to analyze, but yeah. at its core, like with a lot of Nolan films, it's got that emotional center to it, which happens to be this idea of regret and moving on from the past. Agreed, man. Um, I think what you touch on 
is a very big theme that I think particularly runs through Christopher Nolan's films. And, of course, that I'd like to bring up that actually runs through um, biblical scripture as well, is there's, I think, a particular focus and emphasis on understanding the mechanics of the concept that Christopher Nolan is trying to convey. And I think there's so much conversation about trying to figure something out that we almost lose sight of the emotional um, weight and how grounded the story actually is in emotion. And so it's quite often put to the side. I think we'll definitely talk more about this with Tenet, but it's not out on DVD yet. So we'll we'll, um, put that to sleep for now. December. Aha. So, uh-huh. Okay, so December, we shall talk about it. I'm really excited about it. Um, and I can't wait to see it again. But particularly now for Inception, there's always been that great thing about understanding the mechanics. I mean, I just want to clarify that Inception is not actually the idea of a dream being within a dream. It's about planting an idea in someone's head. And Yeah, yeah. A lot of people even get that mixed up. And it, obviously it's a joke where, you, you know, if something, I don't know, weird kind of happens where something's within <laughs> something else, they, they automatically go Inception. And it's like, yeah, it's a funny joke, but actually Inception means planting an idea. So all of that's just saying that we spend a lot of the time understanding the mechanics that we kind of lose that emotional depth as you've explained there, of yeah. how actually that's where the film particularly ends. And this also emphasizes the importance of coming back to a film, rewatching it. And this is what I love particularly about Christopher Nolan films is he says he really only needs one film, even the Dark Knight trilogy. It was only supposed to be Batman Begins. And then he happened to actually extend that. But for the most part, He's kind of genius because what his films offer needs reviewing. It needs to be rewatched if you yeah, want to yeah. really appreciate his art style. Like, sure, you can, like, I can watch a Marvel film, not, nothing against them. They're an art form in themselves, and I really appreciate it. But in terms of the storytelling, it is very surface level. And so I can watch one of those films once and pretty much get the depth of it not always um maybe that's a controversial controversial argument actually and and me stating that and maybe someone can prove me wrong but with something like a christopher nolan film i think there's this play of you've got the mechanics and you've got the emotional depth that are running alongside each other and so yeah. technically you need two perspectives and it's like the same approach with scripture as well you think that's all about the law. It's all about the mechanics and the setup. And it's like, ah, but you're not seeing that kind of surface level. You're, sorry, you're only seeing that surface level um, side of it. There's actually a lot of emotional depth under there. And I mean, that's why yeah, yeah. there's um, conflict with the, within the story in the first place. It's because it's particularly with Inception, it's an internal conflict. It's because of the characters and they're at the, the heart of the story in particular. And so, yeah, when you, when, as you've explained, when you start to f- uh, follow Cobb and his story and what he's going through, it becomes way more evident. 
um, throughout the entire storytelling experience. And it's it's beautiful to see how these things pop up at every little stage, particularly when you analyse it. Um, yeah. I, th- I think when we look at biblical themes as well, um, a huge one that has always been close to my heart has been the idea of loss and exile mm. uh, specifically. Yeah. And Inception captures it brilliantly, this idea of someone who has been broken as a result of their past and as a result of their guilt as well. The fact that yeah. it's not just, you know, Cobb is sad because his wife died. He is sad and he's guilty because he feels like he was responsible for her death. And yeah. we as the viewer can see how he's responsible because of that inception, because of the mm-hmm. idea that he plants in her head. Um, yeah. But we get this continued idea in the Bible of going into and then coming out of exile, of uh, going through loss, but then also finding something new, uh, as Ecclesiastes puts it, time to mourn and a time to dance time to sow seeds a time to harvest a time to kill and a time to heal and so that's effectively what inception looks at but also so much of the bible this idea that yes Cobb begins the story in a form of exile he doesn't um emote to people he doesn't uh share how he feels he's very closed off and as a result of his past, he's unable to move into the future because, you know, he's obsessed with clearing his name. He wants to prove yeah. to the, the police that he didn't cause his wife's death. and um, He didn't kill her. And yeah. because of all of that, he can't see his children, which yeah. represent the future, which represent his happiness. And not just represent, but they literally are his future and his happiness, uh, his yeah. legacy. And... He wants nothing more than to be back with his kids. But it's this idea that, you know, when he's in the dreams, he never looks at them because he knows, well, he says he knows that he would never want to leave the dream because he's with his kids again, Uh, Mm. which is part of why we know at the end that, uh, you know, he sees his kids and that shows that he doesn't care if it's a dream anymore, regardless of whether or not it is. But that that moment represents an emotional change that's happened in him because he's no longer fixated on the past and on his guilt. He has absolved himself of his sin, and he's able to now face the future and accept the fact that he can be happy again and that what has been is done with, and it's in the past, and you can appreciate it for what it was, but it's gone, and you'll never get it back in the form that it was. And to keep moving forward... It's what um, Jeremiah does in Lamentations as well. Mm. He looks at the desolation of the city around him, uh, the city of Jerusalem, for those who don't know. Um, The Israelites had gone through a pattern of disobeying God's laws, and God intended to show them the consequences of those actions, because he intended for Israel to be a holy nation that was going to be set apart from the rest of the world as a way of saving the world, because, Mm. you know, mankind fell away from God, and God wanted to show all the scattered people of the world through the country of Israel that it is possible for God to be close to his people again. But Israel Mm. kept effectively letting him down, and he kept being patient with them and all of that. But Mm. then he showed 
and and this is one of the more challenging themes in the Bible. He showed this idea of creating a remnant uh, that mm. is faithful, as opposed to you know the masses who are just, I suppose, more focused on that surface level relationship with God. Yeah. So he puts Israel through this time of hardship, where they're exiled from their own land, they're taken to Babylon, a foreign land. They have to learn new customs, new languages. They leave everything behind, and they effectively are in a state of mourning. And they, like Cobb, want to go back to the past. They want to bring back what has died, what they've lost, and they feel guilty for what's happened because they know that they've sinned and they know that. You know, Israel didn't just fall by itself. It fell because they were unfaithful to God. Mm. And in Lamentations, we see that same shift happening in Jeremiah, where he begins by mourning the loss of Jerusalem. But then he goes on to say that he still has hope for the future because he knows that God doesn't let his people down. And he knows Mm. that you know, the things that he uh, prophesied in the past about God having a plan for Israel and giving his people a hope and a future, he still believed that to be true. And one mm. thing that he attested to the whole way through his life, even at that point when everything had crumbled around him, he'd spent his whole life warning Israel that destruction would come if they didn't change their ways. And here he is yeah. now looking at that same destruction and mourning the loss but then being able to say that if there's one thing we can count on in this world, it is not humanity, but it is the faithfulness of God. And that that's the thing that pulls us through to the future so that we can leave the past in the past. We can learn our lessons from it. We can look back on it with fondness. We can be happy about the good things that happened. We can be sad about the bad things that happened, but we can move forward into the future and remember that you know our time is limited on this earth we've got to make the most of it yeah man i love that and i think it's actually a a regular pattern that appears through particularly a lot of the books of the prophets where it's it talks about the the times that they're in the destruction that they've brought upon themselves i i just want to clarify there as well that Sometimes, particularly with God being um, considered a, a mother and particularly a father, um, as Jesus referred to him a lot, um, is the idea of honouring the nation's decisions. And sometimes the best way is to just take a step back and allow particularly the discipline of other nations coming and taking over the place and it's not just because God is just got a, it's just angry for the sake of being angry, but because particularly coming up to the exile of Babylon, there was like kids being killed and sacrificed and stuff like that. Like there was some gruesome stuff going on. And so it gets yeah, to man. a point where, where God literally has to say, look, I've told you over and over and over and over again, I have very much exercised my description in saying that I am slow to anger and compassionate yet there's only so much that we're going to take before you completely destroy yourselves. So I'm going to have to let the city come and literally take you over. But what I love about each, a lot of the books with the prophets is they talk about the problem, but there's 
always a description of hope, literally always. And I love that so much because they know that God is also faithful to his promises, to the covenant that he made initially with Abraham. And so that he is completely focused in fulfilling that promise, particularly in a in a long and convoluted way to get to kind of honor our decisions still and to let us do the right thing. It is long and complex, but um, it really has that visualization and inception that, you know, you've got that constant hope that of his two children that always pops up here and there. And it's like that idea of this, this sense of hope is constantly occurring and popping up and reminding them that actually this is where we are going to get to. And yeah, it's going to take a complicated route. Even if you are comparing it to Inception, which is a heist movie. And it took me till I was, I was much older to realize actually the significance and the beauty of how this man and this team goes through all of all of this, just so he can have that that intimacy and that bond again with his children. That yeah, yeah, yeah. as I was older, really hit me, and I was like, "Wow, that's actually really beautiful." And Definitely. particularly, obviously, as I got older and I read scripture, I've started to see how there is this element of hope, and not only is it just left as a cliffhanger, but it's completely, utterly fulfilled beyond our imagination and and in a beautiful unorthodox way with jesus and how all that comes to pass and how actually it's not just about um that particular nation or or a place but it's literally for everyone absolutely anyone everyone um and it's free for them so it's it's good stuff man it's great and and that's the thing is that that's why being so focused on the past and looking back, um, it can be very harmful for our standing with God because mm. God always encouraged humanity to look ahead and to, you know, acknowledge that things go wrong and we make mistakes and we mess up, but God's always in that process of picking us up, making us new and sending us forward again. Um, the, I think there's a a reason why every time God gives a command to a newly restored humanity, it's always with the phrase "go," mm. "go be fruitful and multiply," "go yeah, make yeah, disciples of all nations." And to Abraham as well, told him to go, go leave your land, leave your past, and move into somewhere new, and yeah. be willing to let go of something that you're fond of and just keep it in your memory in order to find something better that you can only access if you are willing to step into the future. And yeah. um, that's something we see with, you know, all the prophets looking forward to Jesus and then Jesus talking about how, you know, he came to restore humanity, not just to, as we've talked about before, not just to destroy the enemies of Israel, not just to, you know, kick the Romans out. That wasn't what he was there for. He was there to kick sin out and yeah. to restore the whole of the creation back to that Eden state uh, yeah. at the very beginning. And that's why, you know, yeah. St. Paul writes in his letters, we are running a race, and the race is not going backwards into the past, you know? We're not going tenet style. We're not inverting <laughs> and running backwards. We're, we're going ahead into the future where 
we await that hope that God is going to make everything new and that we can say goodbye to the pain of the past. We don't have to feel it anymore. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Not to completely undermine my entire point by singing something from Frozen, but... uh, (laughs) No, of course. I think it's the best way to summarise it. Yeah, huge thing in the Bible. Um, Oh, for definite. Being able to let go. Oh, yeah, for definite. I actually just wanted to make one last little point, particularly on the idea of go. There's something that popped up, and I've always found it rather interesting. One of my um, previous lecturers... Her and a few other people did this kind of choreography. They investigated into this tribe that their idea of going forward was walking backwards. So in terms of, I guess it has got very tenant vibes actually. But um, so how they vision the future is walking backwards and looking at their past. So because they can't see what their future is, and I'm like, that's actually a really interesting way of, of looking at it because um, I think the best kind of message that you get from that is acknowledging the past. I think there's obviously this importance of moving away from it because if we're yeah. stuck there, then we're not going to be healed at all. We're not going to it's going to be like a mold festering and growing. But if we can acknowledge and see it and understand it, and I guess it's like that quote of um, like, you need to know history so it doesn't repeat itself. And I guess it's kind yeah. of like looking at your own history so that doesn't come up again and that doesn't repeat. But um, that, I guess that we don't forget it. We don't forget it, but we move on from it. And it's um, it's refreshing to see how even Paul the Apostle definitely he definitely does that. He obviously acknowledges in his letters that yeah. he wasn't he was not a great guy. But so he remembers it. He doesn't forget it, but he's he's gone, do you know what? I'm a completely new identity. My name is literally being changed. That's how yeah. much like that's a clear, significant moment. And I, I love when God does that to be like particularly like um Jacob, your name's now Israel. And Abram, your name's now Abraham. And Saul, yeah. your name's now Paul. It's like that very clear, defining moment of, okay, now we're going to move on to something fresh. Now we're, we're really going to step into that hope. And, yeah, again, yeah. I'm not going to keep repeating my point, but, yeah, remember our past. <laughs> and Yeah, and, anyway. like, this is, this is something we talked about with uh, Star Wars last week. Mm. The yeah. idea of how Anakin is one of these guys who's unable to reconcile, you know, letting go. Um, yeah. And yeah, I guess today we see an example, you know, looking at Cobb of someone who's able to, obviously with, with help of people around them, which, you know, that's why God gives us the church, gives us good Christian friends, and mm-hmm. most importantly, the Holy Spirit. Uh, alongside us to help mm-hmm. us in those times of weakness and those times where you know we're consumed by regret or we're longing for the past yeah. to actually prompt us to keep moving forward um 
And there was, there's something else I want to say along those lines. It'll come back to me, I am sure. Hmm. It was I right there. Words. It was right there. They're the worst. Yes, actually, yes. Uh, so, um, obviously, we all know what year we've had, and I don't want to labour the point because everyone's saying, you know, 2020 this, 2020 that. Mm -hmm. But on a practical level, you know, just to ground it in today's world, like, we've got to be able to say goodbye to 2020 and yeah you know to be able to look back at things that have happened and take the good with the bad and yeah. recognize it for what it is but to not cling on to it and be like oh but you know this thing happened and it's like well it's possible to enjoy the future it's possible to move on and yeah. god is always doing something new and you know, sometimes that new thing is going to be a challenge. There was um, it was one of these uh, theology dudes that I follow on Instagram. I can't remember which one it was, but um, there's only like two of them. I'm not like ultra spiritual, all you guys listening. Um, but it was someone who mentioned about this idea of, was it, I think it was Knowing God by John Packer, I think. That'd be yeah, G.I. Packer, yeah. Yeah, talks about this idea of... Um, like uh, <clears throat> how in order to <laughs> in order to reach spiritual maturity you've got to you got to go through that discipline like you were mentioning before brandon this yeah. idea that pain exists as uh like a, a crucible um something that tests our metal that strengthens us and that when we get out the other side we are now more capable to deal with that kind of suffering um, yeah man there's a so, just going to interrupt you there. There's a fantastic um, quote from G.I. Jane, and it's basically um, what do you call them? They're the, I think the, let me start that again. Yeah, there's a quote from G.I. Jane, and as he's basically training these Marines, essentially, um, he's saying, you know what the best thing about pain is? It lets you know that you're not dead. Nice. And I just, I like that. And I think that goes towards your point. And you continue that point. <laughs> but yeah, like this year that we've all had, I, some have had it a lot worse than others, I'm sure. But um, mm -hmm. to be able to take this experience of everything we've been through and then to be able to look ahead at the future and to go, you know what? There is still hope. We yeah, can man. complain all we want about things that have happened in the past, even things that are going on in the present. And it's good that, you know, we're aware of that stuff, that we're not repeating that stuff, that we're not contributing to more of that bad stuff happening. But yeah. to also have that awareness that, yeah, life goes on, as the Beatles would say, and <laughs> God is coming back. And there is going to be a time when everything is going to be made new and disease won't be a thing and pain will be completely forgotten about but until yeah. then we've got to keep looking forward remembering what was behind i think but looking mm -hmm. forward yeah definitely yeah. Uh, exactly and we have a responsibility to add good and be ambassadors and care and love and serve others uh, until that time comes um 
And I think I, I just literally want to end saying how I think this episode, and particularly what we've talked about, I think has already shown that I think we understand humans and humanity greater and that we're not focused on talking about the mechanics of the films, which, to be honest, is what I was expecting when we started talking about this. But that actually the emphasis is purely on um, people, <laughs> humanity, and yeah. yeah, the great great sense of hope, and it's it's fantastic that I've that I think we both learned to take that away as opposed to just trying to figure out um, the mechanics and the simple things of life, and it's all rooted in love and intimacy and connection, and yeah, man, it's good stuff. <laughs>